Welcome back to the Clemson Podcast. This is your host, Nick. I'm joined today by Ben. Uh, today is going to be our Clemson bi-week uh, episode. So no game upcoming this weekend, but certainly plenty of action around the world of college football. And I think we'll take this opportunity to review Clemson's season so far. Basically 25% through our games. We can talk about a little bit what our expectations were coming into the year, where we've met or exceeded or not met those expectations. Um, We'll also recap kind of recent games thus far and take a look ahead at this weekend's action, both for teams that are still on our schedule, just some interesting matchups around college football. Um, before we get into that, though, I um, wanted to you know thank everyone for listening. We've gotten a lot of new listeners the past couple of weeks, and we appreciate everybody spreading the word. Um, definitely wouldn't be where we are without word of mouth and without our good friends at Shake in the Southland uh, giving us a vine, giving us kind of some posts that you all have been finding us from. So... Big thanks to those guys. Um, if you guys have any feedback about podcasts in general, um, any of our thoughts, that kind of thing, keep the comments coming. Um, every time they post over at Shaking the Southland, you know we have gotten a number of comments there, so that's all, always great. We do read those. Only good comments, please. <laughs> Only positive. Um, and actually, we're thinking about doing a future mailbag. Um, mailbag or you know, if you guys have any compelling questions or comments that we ought to read on the air, Hit us up. Hit us up on Twitter. Email us at clemsonpodcast at gmail.com. And uh, we'll take a look at those. If we get anything good, we'll be sure to hash that out in a future episode. Um, and lastly, so that fellow Clemson fans can discover us, you know, feel free to spread the word, of course. But um, we'd really appreciate if you guys could leave us a review on iTunes. That goes a long way. You know, when people search for Clemson Podcast, that way they can find us. We're a little bit more discoverable. So appreciate that. Appreciate uh, the ongoing listens. Subscribe to us on your favorite app or platform, and uh, we will keep coming to you basically a couple times a week going forward. Um, firstly, I guess before we get into our content today, Ben, what are you drinking? Well, it was a long day at work, so I went with a, picked up a six-pack of the Green Flash West Coast Double IPA. It's quite tasty. It's calming my nerves, you know, relieving a little bit of the stress from the long day, so... Yep. Quite enjoying it. Appreciate you bringing these over. I'm also enjoying one of these right now. It's brewed down in San Diego. So uh, you're going to get a healthy share of West Coast IPAs here on the podcast. Which, if you guys haven't been to San Diego and gone to some of the breweries down there, some of the best beers in the United States, especially for an IPA. You know, the IPA is not as big on the East Coast as it is out here on the West Coast, but San Diego, great beer selection. Too bad the weather's shitty down there. Yeah, no, I, I've heard otherwise. <laughs> um so uh, we might switch up the beers midway through, but uh, just so you all are aware, this one's 8.1%. So certainly no, it's not, not a, a light beer by any means. Anyway, <laughs> moving on, um, just initial thoughts on the season to date. Clemson's 3-0. I think you know maybe we expected this or maybe in our, our highest of hopes, we're, we're there, we're at 3-0. Um, we'll get into a little bit of our thoughts on what's gone right, maybe what what's gone wrong, et cetera, what we need to work on. But I'm feeling pretty good three weeks in. Yeah, I'm actually feeling a little anxious right now. You know, there's a lot of excitement and optimism going into this season, some unknowns, but really out of the first two games, we still had um, kind of that momentum uh, coming from what our preseason expectations were. We thought we were solving some of the questions, but we hadn't really faced stiff competition. And then the Louisville game happened, yep. and we won. You know, we, we, we went on the road in a tough environment. We pulled that game out, and a, a lot of good came out of that game. But I've still got some questions. So I'm a little bit anxious, but it's, it's an exciting anxiousness. I'm, I'm still optimistic about where this season can go. We have to improve to, to reach our goals. But with the athletes all right, we have, there's no reason we can't improve. Yeah, and we'll move on here. But just to put it in context, one year ago, through three weeks, Clemson was one and two. We just lost a really painful to watch game against Florida State. Um, unfortunately, I don't think we get, we played our best football that day. Um, we had a really tough Week One opponent in Georgia on the road. So, um, just in the just taking a from a perspective angle of this season and our goals that are ahead of us, 
you know, we're in a much better spot. Well, it's been a little bit different this year than we've had the past few seasons not facing a big-name opponent uh, opponent uh, for the first game of the year. And really, so our first two games have been relatively easy. I think it worked out well for us this year, given the fact that we're getting Deshaun Watson back and he's needing to shake off a bit of the rust. And we have uh, a depth issue and a lot of young guys coming in, especially on the defensive side of the ball to replace a lot of the starters. So it's been good to kind of ease into the season get a tough game against Louisville on the road and pull that one out. We'll see where we go from here. Sounds good. Um, real quick, though, let's talk about the week three games. What we saw, you know, we played on Thursday night. We talked about Florida State eking out a win at Boston College on Friday, 14-0. Um, but then Saturday was a really exciting slate of games. Um, I know that we, after we recorded Saturday morning, went back and watched, you know, two or three games at the same time flipping back and forth. Uh, the first one that was really compelling for us, number eight, Notre Dame, um, won basically very compellingly over number 14, Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech came back in the end, put up two quick scores on the board, and were threatening pretty late, but I feel like the, those were garbage time scores when Notre Dame had, you know, they were resting, or at least... They um, pretty much had yeah. sealed the deal, put the game away. Right. Pretty much garbage time points, so... Um, Overall, I mean, Notre Dame looked really strong. This was, in my mind, the first real team they had played. Sorry, Virginia. Sorry, Texas. But Georgia Tech, previous to that, putting up, you know, 60, 70 points a game, were only able to really muster, you know, seven, eight points in the first early going. So for, for that part, I feel like Notre Dame definitely is a formidable foe for us. Well, I'll mention this first. What a great weekend for, for Clemson not to be playing. There were a ton of really great games to watch over the past weekend, and it was kind of nice just to shit, uh, sit back, wake up Saturday morning, and just watch football all day long against some high-profile high teams and high-profile matchups, and there were some really great games. There were some sloppy games. There were some blowouts, uh, but it was really all entertaining, and I think it's really telling. There's a lot of parity in college football, and we're starting to see that play out as the season goes along. Getting back to Notre Dame-Georgia Tech, um, this is really important to us because these are our next two games. And I, for me, going into this one, I thought Georgia Tech was going to roll Notre Dame just because of all the, the losses that Notre Dame has had uh, from their starters. And they even suffered a, another loss of one of their safeties during the game. But then Georgia Tech, their first two opponents, I know they weren't really playing anybody, but they were putting up the points. Yeah. So I, I would have thought their offense was going to be hard to stop. And to see them go in there and really not be able to muster anything against Notre Dame makes me really optimistic about playing Georgia Tech. At the same time, I feel worse about playing yeah. Notre Dame because they're doing this without um, you know, missing a lot of guys. You know, Kaiser, their quarterback, came in and did a good job, uh, and their defense played really well. And this is the same, you know, we're going to be going up against the same team. So yep. I was kind of surprised to see that the game went the way it did and Notre Dame handled Georgia Tech so easily. I will say this, lucky for us that our path to the ACC championship it runs through or through the end of the season, runs through Notre Dame once, which doesn't count as a conference game, but it would run through Georgia Tech probably twice. Just to see them as the lesser team here is actually kind of encouraging. Definitely. I think what you're also going to see when we face both of these opponents, I don't think Justin Thomas and Georgia Tech will play as poorly on offense and execute as poorly. Um, clearly, they're, they're still getting their footing. I think basically three weeks from now when we play them, they'll be a much more experienced and cohesive unit. So expect an uptick in their play. Uh, but I will say on the Notre Dame front, and we'll be previewing them next week, you know, this is a home game for them. They had a lot of film coming off of Virginia of areas they needed to improve on. You know those coaches were in their ears that whole time of this is our chance to like, you know, recover and make a statement. They play UMass this weekend. You know, I don't look at that as a trap game. I think that's like a cupcake setup for us. But, you know, Death Valley, it's an 8 p.m. kick. Um, it's going to be a different environment than Notre Dame at home coming off Virginia. Well, so Notre Dame says, you know, they don't schedule like FCS opponents. Well, I'm sorry. I know UMass is, <laughs> I don't know in how many years they've been in the FBS, but come on. Mm -hmm. They might as well be. Uh, I will say this, um, that Notre Dame apparently has a, a quarterback recruit uh, who ran the triple option in high school. And so they devoted uh, kind of a team of actually starters, not a scout team, well, not starters, but sure. of, of, of impact players, a team to specifically run the triple option. 
and and so they could practice again it against it uh, during fall practice. So I think that went a long way in this game to where where they were how they were able to defend it. Yep. For us, we're used to it. Venables used to coaching it. So I see us. We've had guys who played against us. We played against against Wofford. So I don't see being as much of a problem, and we'll be able to handle Georgia Tech pretty decently, I think, mm-hmm. just from our experience with it. Yep. Well, we can move on from this. We'll definitely be previewing Notre Dame and Georgia Tech when the time comes. Uh, other big game, Ole Miss. Everyone knows about it. Swag Kelly led them to a 43-37. to um, Very exciting win over number 2 Alabama at home at Bryant-Denny Stadium. One of the more exciting games of the weekend, probably not the most, considering some of the other finishes we saw. Um, Cal against Texas comes to mind there. But, uh, you know, Ole Miss, I think they defied everybody's expectations here going into Alabama and putting up 43 points. They had a little bit of divine intervention on that that tip play. Um, not sure where they pulled that one out of. But <laughs> even beyond that, though, I mean, they were very, very effective moving the ball. Um, they definitely took advantage of Alabama's inexperience at quarterback and um, just got a lot done on that defensive line, too. Um, former Clemson commit, Kim DJ looked great, was all over the field. So um, Ole Miss, I mean, are they a national title playoff contender? Absolutely. And I think legitimately. Kim DJ did look really good. And that's the first time I've seen him really play that well. Uh, Chad Kelly, still not very impressed. I thought he stood flat-footed in the pocket. And that's why you saw a lot of his balls get batted down early in the game. This was a very sloppily played game. Uh, I will give both defenses credit uh, for how well they played. I wasn't impressed by really much of anything. I saw an offense from either team. And elite national championship caliber teams, they don't play this sloppy. So I would take that in consideration when evaluating these teams. I mean, I think another game that we can talk about here, maybe moving this up, Ohio State, they only slipped by Northern Illinois by seven points. So talking about, I wouldn't, I mean, I guess that game was rather sloppy. There were a lot of turnovers in the Ohio State game also. But it doesn't strike me that there's really any dominant team across the landscape of college football at this point that, you know, is playing just incredibly incredibly well from an execution standpoint. Well, that's the parity we've talked about uh, coming out of these first three weeks. I mean, even the mighty SEC, we've seen uh, a lot of, you know, SEC teams play close games against, you know, some very minor opponents, even losing to them. Vanderbilt lost to somebody in, you know, week one, and there's been some other close games. I mean, Western heck, Kentucky. Yeah, Western Kentucky. Mm-hmm. And then, heck, Missouri was down like 6-2 to two to UConn going in, like, they were in the third, maybe going to the fourth, and only eked out a 9-6 to six victory at home, and somehow they're still ranked. Arkansas is 0-3. Yeah, exactly. So, there again, there's more parity. I mean, yes, the SEC still has some strong teams, some competitive teams, and teams that can win the national championship, but they're not, you know, you know, way above everybody else, and we've seen that play out in the game so far this year. I think what you're also seeing from week two, I'm sorry, uh, week three, was there are always those weeks in any given college football season where it's just, you know, mayhem across the landscape. Some upsets, some really close nail-biter games, um, some big schools losing to unranked schools. You saw all that this past week, and we'll definitely get into the games that are coming up this, this coming weekend, but week three was clearly you know, that type of, of mayhem across the landscape. Um, there were other instances where favored teams beat up on a much lesser opponent, such as the Georgia-South Carolina game. Did you get to watch any of this? <laughs> I watched that one with joy. I know it, it helps Clemson if Georgia loses that game, but to see how far South Carolina has fallen in such a short amount of time after, you know, we've had to go through the five-year streak. Yeah, that was painful for us, but, you know, we've been there before. We know we know what it's like to beat them, and to see them not be able to, to build upon that success, especially with a Hall of Fame coach, um, is, I don't know, pretty interesting to me. But, yeah, Georgia just absolutely dismantled South Carolina, and it was really ugly to watch. I think even beyond maybe the talent level, we talked before the season started about a preview of South Carolina. They, they've had a lot of decommitments. They've had trouble keeping their recruits, actually recruiting talent. It's just kind of a bare cupboard over there. But that being said, even the guys on the field didn't see they seem to lose their competitive edge they started fighting they're each fighting other, each other. Yeah. i mean it's and to me that comes down to motivation coaching and discipline that you almost you know 
take everything you want away from Steve Spurrier and, and the Gamecocks, but that's not really emblematic of their type of team. So I don't know what, what's going on culturally over there right now, but man, got to be tough to be a fan. Yeah, it's a steep downhill slide. I want to talk about another SEC matchup that we saw this weekend, LSU and Auburn. You know, a lot of the pundits had Auburn to contend for a national championship this year. Talked a lot about their starting quarterback, who just recently, I think today, actually got demoted. LSU steamrolled Auburn. I mean, it wasn't even as close as the score indicates at 45-21. to 21. And somehow Auburn still ends up you know, ranked in the coaches' poll at 25th after barely beating, I think, Jacksonville State and now getting killed by LSU. Um, so this was another interesting game. It's another one of those points about the SEC of being so overrated with their big-name schools who are just from tradition now being ranked that high. Right. Hype Machine has them all ranked preseason. They win against each other. Oh, that's a win against a ranked opponent. Or, right. you know, oh, you're number 18. You only lost to the number 13 team. Let's only drop you seven spots. Um, so, you know, you everyone gets it. SEC's overhyped. Um, I just, you know, I just hope everyone recognizes and realizes what, what everyone's actually dealing with here in terms of overall talent level. Um, we also saw, I mean, if we talk about different conferences around the country who are likely to potentially even miss a playoff spot, uh, it seems like the Pac-12 is in disarray right now. Um, USC was number six. They lost to a Stanford program that really hasn't been impressive yet this year, 41 to 31 at home. Um, Stanford, again, always gives SC trouble, but they lost to Northwestern. And Stanford basically had to you know, play into the second half before they took the lead against Central Florida. So uh, Pac-12, you know, Oregon's already got a loss. UCLA has just eked out a couple of wins. This weekend, they, they managed to avoid a Hail Mary, a third Hail Mary week in a row from BYU. Um, squeaking by 24-23, but you know, Pac-12 could be a brutal conference. Every t- the winning teams in that conference could have two losses. Yeah, exactly, and that bodes really well for us. They we talk about or we hear a lot of talk about how the ACC could be left out of the college football playoff. But let's talk about some of these other conferences, specifically the Pac-12. If every team in that conference has two losses, I don't care who their champion is or how they've done to end the year. Uh, you can't put them in over a let's say, at worst one loss ACC team, mm-hmm. I don't see that happening. And, so I think we yeah. really need to pay attention, not to just our schedule within the ACC, but how these other conferences are doing, because there's five major conferences, there's one major at-large team in Notre Dame, and there's only four playoff spots. That's right. And you've seen some of those you know, Cinderella or bracket-busting teams, such as Boise State, already lose. Some people thought BYU might take their place as this like darling who could run the table in a weaker, on a weaker schedule. Um, BYU lost. So who knows what happens in the Big Ten down the stretch. Ohio State could lose to Michigan State and then win the conference. That way both both end up with one loss. You know, do you do you let a one loss ACC team with a resume like Clemson's playing a much tougher schedule than either of those schools, you know, do we get in over them, et cetera? So again, I think what we've talked about is let's handle our business, let's win our, our against our slate of games and our schedule. If we should have a setback and lose a game then we're definitely looking at scoreboards and rooting for chaos elsewhere. So this kind of leads us into talking about the polls that just came out this week and both the AP and the coaches poll. You know, even though we went on the road and won against Louisville on Thursday night and we had a team in uh, USC ahead of us that lost, uh, we dropped one spot in the coaches poll to 10, which I don't put a lot of, uh, I mean, I don't believe a lot in that poll, considering Auburn's still ranked 25th after how they've looked this year. But we stayed put at number 11 uh, in the uh, AP poll, I think, with uh, LSU jumping us this time. With their win against Auburn, who hasn't looked very good this year. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm okay with us standing pat in the rankings. I do think our win on the road looked more impressive as the weekend went on, which was a sentiment shared by Dabo in his comments post game, but you know, I'm okay with it. I just feel like people need to start recognizing the types of wins that we're going to be having. Well, in full disclosure, I I guess is that you look at our win against Louisville and you say, well, they're zero and three. They've lost uh, now to Mm -hmm. not only us, but Houston and okay. Auburn, who isn't really that good. 
So, yeah, it's, maybe you can't put a lot of snock in our win, our close win against them on the road. But at the same time, you know, we're seeing a lot of people jumping us. UCLA jumped us, I believe, last week. You know, I think we could see that reverse course and then fall back down. They're immediate, the darling. Week. Yeah. And let's see how they do this weekend. And that's, you know, again, right. trying to get uh, some footing on the, on the West Coast for a lot of these, uh, well, ESPN, uh, among other, you know, outlets. Outlets, yeah. but... You know, I, I still think that, and this is going to be big going into the Notre Dame game. Does anybody lose this next weekend coming up? Can we get a, a top 10 matchup? Two top 10 teams? It'll be interesting to see what happens. We're right on the fringe. We're at number 11. Yeah. And again, you know, Notre Dame, let's hope they can squeeze past UMass. Should not be a problem. They'll be top 10. We'll be right there on the cusp. We'll see where Georgia Tech gets ranked. They played Duke this week. Um, so hopefully that's another, you know, sort of top. They're still. They're still ranked fairly highly. Let's hope that's a top 20, top 15 matchup when we play them. And then by the end of the year, we'll see where Florida State is. That could be yet another, you know, top 10 matchup potentially for us. So resume-wise, you know, again, all of our goals are ahead of us. Our strength of schedule is going to be strong. Just got to keep taking care of business. Um, so in terms of where we stand right now, we're 3-0. and If we want to do a quick breakdown of the season so far, Clemson's defense, you got to start with them. They've, they've allowed 10 points in all three of our games so far. Um, you'll notice Louisville put up 17. Seven of those were off of a, a kick return. I'm sorry. A, yeah, it was a kick return. Yep. So, um, you know, definitely good on the defense. Overall, we, we handled Wofford in our first game. It was very competitive as a matchup early against App State. We had a bit of a slow start on offense, but it ultimately, you know, answered the call there and had, a, had an awesome performance down the stretch. And then Louisville was a bit more of a nail-biter. But more of a closer game than any of us had hoped. So, I if you had told me this on August fifteenth, that's how it was going to go. Yeah, makes makes sense. I feel like that you know that that sounded like the profile of the season so far. Yeah, I think we probably would have thought Louisville would have been a nail biter because we thought they would have been a better team as we were coming into the season. When we got to the game, you know, we predicted it here that we thought Clemson would win this game easily. Now a lot of things had to do with that. It was some poor performance on offense, and there was some t- terrible, absolutely terrible officiating that, that led to it being such a close game. But, you know, we, 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 it's not that it wasn't, you know, especially the beginning of the season, it wasn't unexpected that that would have been the case. 100%. So with that, I mean, I think we've outplayed and outmanned all three of our opponents talent-wise on the field. Um, you could, we've got some questions about scheme overall and execution. But um, I think we held our, our own on the road with lots of young guys in our first matchup, so a good sign. Um, overall in the season so far, I want to talk about, there have been some sort of subtractions from our overall roster that I think have impacted our play, impacted a little bit our confidence as we head into sort of the middle, middle quarter of our season. Um, and that has to do first and foremost with injuries. Um, really in the first drive of the season, star returning wide receiver, and offensive leader for us, Mike Williams, suffered a neck injury running into the support of the um, goalpost. So nothing new. We, we've definitely felt his absence, though. Yeah, I mean, we, we talked about maybe if any position group we could afford to lose somebody because of the depth. It was wide receiver, not with Mike Williams. He's our best wide receiver, and we've seen that play out. And so we really need to get him back, and hopefully he's back for Florida State. Definitely. I think that you know, that's still definitely a possibility. Don't want to rush him back by any means, but you know, let's hope the the food on campus is helping him get healthy. <laughs> uh, center Ryan Norton, basically a senior starting center to begin the season. Um, I think about ten days ago in practice, sprained his MCL. He was held out of the Louisville game. He's going to be held out of the Notre Dame game, as we just found out. So for an already thin and inexperienced offensive line to take a guy with this much playing time and experience out of that rotation. You know, you can you can knock Ryan Norton if you want, but you know he has been a staple and a leader on that O line. That's definitely made us made us thin. Well, it's all about depth, and let's hope that he heals in time to come back for the Georgia Tech game because with all those chop blocks that are gonna be flying around the field, we need as much depth as we can get at that position. And talking about ligaments on the O line, um, for Morgan, redshirt freshman, yes, Jake for Morgan, uh, apparently suffered a posterior cruciate ligament try to say that three times fast strain uh, pcl strain in the louisville game he was held out of the rest of that game after that injury looks like he's pretty much day-to-day 
pretty sure he'll go for Notre Dame. Um, but we absolutely need the depth and the talent level that Jake brings to the table um, in pretty much being like our next link in the chain to back up a lot of the guys in that O-line. Actually, I was wrong. He's actually a true freshman. Uh, but he's still in our two deep. Uh, yeah, I think he's good to go for this game. I think he'll be okay. Um, again, the the extra week off is really going to help with a couple of these injuries, so it really comes at a good time. And it looks like we're going to get a couple of other players back who have held, been held out of the, the team thus far on, um, on defense. Yeah, outside linebacker Chris Register is hopefully going to return soon. The same thing with defensive end Dane Rogers. More than anything, this is, again, huge because of depth. We're thin at depth at outside linebacker, and we have a very talented uh, defensive line, but all the depth we can get considering the losses that we've had uh, with DJ Reader, who's still not with the team, and Dabo doesn't really have much to say about when he's going to be back, but hopefully he is at some time this season. So these under-the-radar guys, Dane Rogers, Chris Register, who've been in the program for a little while now, it's just be good to get them back on the field just to have that depth. And the leadership they can bring and sort of have been there before as they go on the road um, and talk them up, talk their, their freshman peers up. Um, another player that has been injured but has returned, uh, tight end Stanton Seconder. So certainly a, you know, a, a tenured Clemson Tiger. Um, made a couple of key plays in this last game against Louisville. A nice catch on sort of a, a botched pass from Deshaun. But we're pretty deep at tight end. I don't think our season rests on the the slender shoulders of Seconder at this point. We'll be better off if our, our underclassmen really step up and right. take over the position because they're more talented and they're the future. Definitely. In terms of other subtractions that we've had, everyone know, everyone's aware of our uh, senior place kicker, Amon Lakeup. Right now he's back from a three-game suspension um, coming off the heels of an arrest over the summer. Uh, so he's been replaced by Greg Hugel, walk-on freshman, uh, who's done a fairly capable job. He's done a fairly, he's been capable. He's done a fairly good job. I believe he's four of five on field goals. Hasn't really been put to the test with any, you know, 45 <laughs> yarders, but he's four of five and then one of three on that, on that first attempt. That's right. Well, <laughs> only one that mattered because counts. of the penalties. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, this is big. Who would have ever thought that a kicker not named Catanzaro would cause such a stir in Clemson for not being available for the first three games of the year. I mean, as, as bad as kind of Lakeup was to start off last year and as a dire situation that was, he did come on at the end of the year. But then for us to go into spring practice and then his arrest happened and then we don't know what to expect out of the kicking ding, Hugel has done an admirable job. He's looked fine for the most part on his field goals, but giving our kick coverage, we need somebody to boot it out back of the end zone. We hear Lakeup will compete for that. Let's see what happens. Indeed, Lord knows we need a uh, we need we need some help on the kick, the kicking game, and especially as it relates to kick coverage and kickoffs. I can't remember who I was talking to, but somebody mentioned that maybe we should just kick it out of bounds every time and let them start on the thirty-five yard line. That was me. Was that you? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or onside kicks. You know, let's try something something new. Um, well, let's take a look a closer look here at the offense. Uh, first, I want to start with what's gone right in terms of what we expected or just you know guys that have really answered the call. Um, we'll, we'll take a little assist with this one from David Hood over at TigerNet. Um, he had a great article, I think he called it Statistically Speaking, just talking about some stats that were pulled from cfbstats.com in support of um, some of the points we'll make here. But the brightest spot, I think, on the offense has been, been the emerging play of tailback Wayne Gallman. Yeah, he's the running back we've been waiting for. Uh, he answered a lot of questions from the first game this year through the third game. Uh, he looked good at the end of the last year against lesser opponents. And, of course, this year, lesser opponents. But in the Louisville game, he was a monster, had over 100 yards rushing, and he really helped us control that game. And we're going to be looked to rely heavily on him as the season goes along. And the fact that he's been able to do this without a great offensive line You can just look at his progression from this year to last year. The way his pad level is lower, he's running over people. He's hitting the holes. His vision is improving. He's 37th in rushing right now in the country with 103 uh, yards a game, which is huge. We need a running game to balance our offense. And for him to emerge like this has been fantastic. Yeah, you nailed it. I mean, I think 
he is the running back that we've sort of been lacking on our to balance out, you know, WRU and some really good quarterback play that maybe not as much in 2014, but certainly the last five years or so. So great to see that. Um, I think what else we've seen gone right so far with this offense are true freshman wide receiver talent in Ray Ray McLeod, uh, walk on Hunter Renfro and Deion Kane, and that these guys have looked as good as their purported talent. Clearly, Hunter Renfro, you know, he's he is a walk-on. He's not a five-star like the other two, but I think he's got his touchdown to start so far, and you know, is definitely contributing on this on this offense. Interestingly, those three were playing on the first team and starting, or playing on the first team in the the last few drives of the Louisville game. Yeah, and let's not forget Trevion Thompson either. He hasn't maybe had as much playing time, but that's a great young core of wide receivers. We're talking Ray Ray McLeod. Tion Kane, Trevion Thompson, and Hunter Renfro. Four years of eligibility, and let's be honest, McLeod, Kane, maybe three years. But still, the future is again bright for Clemson wide receivers. They've gotten a lot of playing time early. Now they've gotten some some important minutes in a tough game on the night game on the road at Louisville. So certainly a bright spot. We need somebody to develop and step up in the loss of Mike Williams. And I think we're going to find somebody here. I think maybe the coaches and their play calling is going to need to adapt better to, to cover this up. But we definitely have the talent out there for us to be successful. Yeah, maybe keeping it with the, fr- the concept of freshmen and who's looked really good. Uh, true freshman left tackle stepping into basically some of the biggest shoes possible on an offense. Uh, left tackle Mitch Hyatt has been extremely good he's lived up to his billing as a five star i think five star, five star uh, yeah. left tackle recruit and to come in as a true freshman and play with the maturity uh the fluidness and just co- cohesiveness with the rest of his offensive line can't say enough good things we'd be in bad shape if he did not come in as advertised so we're very fortunate that he has looked as well as he had um, has I mean what a what a yeah. great we only allowed one sack against Louisville you know that easily could have gone much worse with a, you know a worse off left tackle yeah and he was going up against a really good defensive end so the the fact that he's progressed so far so quick it's almost like Deshaun Watson at quarterback coming in last year as a true freshman or Sammy Watkins at wide receiver uh, his freshman year so really great to see Mitch Hyatt look so good and think we have. You know, another two or, three more years two or three more years of him, and he's only going to improve. So, you know, the the weak side, the blind side on the on the tackle position, we're in good shape. Definitely, and clearly, I mean, you, you you've touched on it. These good things aren't necessarily just good for the 2015 season, though they are indeed. Uh, but this bodes well for the future of this offense. In terms of things that have been a bit of a setback for us, we mentioned the Williams injury that leaves a big big hole for us in. You know the really the boundary receiver position some guy that can go up on a third and long keep defenses honest down the field and just really be that rock for our for deshaun watson to rely on with mike williams out um, we've been looking for other guys to step up and one guy that in particular that's been billed by you know we'll call it the media uh, but definitely fans has been sharon peak and outside of a couple of great catches and plays in the app state game uh, Peak has largely been silent. He didn't. He didn't have too much. Um, his name wasn't called too many times in that Louisville game. Yeah, he hasn't lived up to his uh, his hype. I know he's been injured a lot throughout his career, um, but I didn't see him on the field a lot at the end of the Louisville game in crunch time. So I had high hopes for him coming into this year, but I don't wonder if some of these freshmen start to overtake him. Um, you know, let's. Let's kind of move on for what went wrong. Uh, mm-hmm. There's some things that haven't all been bad, but they do need improvement. We talked about the offensive line. They haven't been a disaster, which is good. Uh, only six sacks allowed on the season. I mean, that puts them at 79th. I mean, it's not great, but considering what they could be and the depth issues, it's not terrible. And some of those sacks we've seen is, you know, missed running back block pickup assignments and just, you know, I, I wouldn't, won't put all six of those on that O-line, and that's going to be natural in six, three games into the season. So, doesn't like you said, doesn't feel like a disaster. That being said, our schedule is about to get a lot tougher, and we're playing some really solid D-lines, 
definitely the next three weeks in a row. Well, the good thing about offensive lines is they tend to gel and improve as the course of the year goes on, but we still have to watch out for the injury bug, right? Because that is a position that's very susceptible to injury. Right. If we can get through this season, uh, you know, free of injury for the most part on the offensive line, they're only going to get better, I think. So I, I think it can still, I think it's a position that could still hurt us. But if we get through without injuries, it's one I, that can be shored up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think we could be fine there. I think another area that we've seen flashes of, you know, uh, competence on this offense have been the tight ends, both in blocking with the emergence of freshman Garrett Williams and in the passing game with Jordan Leggett. Um, actually starting to show some of the promise that he's had throughout his career. Uh, but I think ongoing, we need to get more production out of those tight ends. I feel like the middle of the field for Clemson has sort of been a, a non-event for us outside of the two touchdown passes in the Louisville game. Yeah, I think you're going to continue to see Garrett Williams improve. We've seen Milan Richard start to play some more. Jordan Leggett, I have been excited to see him more involved in the passing game. His blocking could still use help. I think really what it comes down to is that, I mean, Stan Seckinger, I know he's been here a while, but he we need somebody to step up with these young guys and replace him on the field because he's not the most talented guy in the world, and we've got better, more capable players on the offense or in the tight end position. So we need somebody to step up and take that over. Again, they're going to help out with blocking a lot, but they can also really help out in the passing game. Think about all the good tight ends we've had in the past and how much they contribute. Yeah. Think of the NFL and how... Robin Gronkowski is the best wide receiver pretty much as a tight end on the Patriots team. So this could be a huge impact position because of the matchup problems they create. We really need somebody to step up. Leggett is doing fine, but he needs to continue to improve and get better. Absolutely. And I feel like in terms of overall improvement, you know, I'm not even going to call it the elephant in the room. I think it's imperative that we, we get Deshaun Watson on the right track. I think everyone would agree he's sort of looked off in moments this season. He's had flashes of brilliance with, with flashing like great throws. And I think some of his, his, his nose for finding room to scramble, use his legs to gain those yards, has been great so far. Uh, but that being said, I think just in leading this offense, exuding that confidence that you want in your star quarterback, in someone that's meant to be a Heisman contender as early as this season, in his first full year, he has not played up to that billing. And I, you know... I, I just feel like we're not quite there yet. So it's interesting. He is fifth in completion percentage in the country, almost at a 75% clip. But it almost kind of reminds me of that sophomore slump that Sammy Watkins went through. Granted, Sammy Watkins had that suspension to start the year, then I think he had an illness that kept him out. Um, but lucky for us, DeAndre Hopkins really stepped up that, sh that year and earned his, you know, NFL I think, accolades, yeah, draft right? Position. I think first round draft pick for him. Um, we don't have that this year. We don't have a guy that can step in for Deshaun Watson and take over. Kelly Bryant, maybe one day. It's not going to be Nick Schusler. So I wondered where Watson would come in, coming off that injury. He didn't get a lot of contact or any contact, any practice in the spring. Has to face a lot of contact. He still seems very uh, vulnerable in the pocket to me. He s seems a little scared to take that hit. When he gets off and running, he seems fine. Mm -hmm. But I, I think that's what's really holding him back. He's not stepping into throws. I think that's where you see a lot of the underthrows. But I think it's going to come with time. His ceiling is not limited by this. He's still going to be a great quarterback as long as he stays healthy. I think he's just building back up that confidence, and we're still going to see him take off. Although I thought he would have been ahead of where he's at yep. so far this year based on what we saw last year. And we... We made this comment in the Louisville recap. Louisville is a capable defense. They're really strong. He, you know, he's basically a freshman at this point still and played in his first real crunch time game in prime time on the road and um, was out of his element a bit. So, you know, we'll see what we get out of Deshaun. I feel like one area that the coaching staff can work with him to improve here is actually in our play selection and our play calling, finding ways you know, again, we want to do this based on matchup and our ability to get him protection and exploit a defense. But finding ways to just get Deshaun, and I'm not saying like easy, low-hanging fruit passes, but find a way for him to, to seek out, like who is his go-to guy, his sort of safety valve on that offense from a receiving standpoint. It seems like some of these screen passes out to some of the burner freshman receivers have worked really well. 
you know, maybe we can keep that going and find some of these tight ends over the middle. Um, some type of a play calling approach that gets Deshaun, get his confidence, gets his confidence in the pocket up and really gets him to feel fit into that groove that we all know he's capable of. Yeah, I don't want to bring up bad memories of the bubble screen by keep saying we should throw screens out there, but we saw what Artavis Scott did against Ohio State last year, and then Sammy Watkins the year before that, where it was almost unstoppable, right? Yeah, and I think bubble screen, I mean, when that's the primary focus of your offense, that's when you get into trouble. When you have a capable running back like Galman, when you've got deep deep threats like Sharon Peak and even even Scott, and you're throwing these bubble screens or these, you know, that type of a screen pass to Ray Ray McLeod and Deion Kane. Yeah. When you've got other options, you can keep yeah. defenses threatened that I think in the Rob Spence days we didn't really have. Yeah, well, I mean, the first two games, playbook was limited, right? They didn't really open it up. So I was going to be very hesitant to judge the play calling on that. But the Louisville game was kind of a different story, and there were some interesting play calls or some lack of creativity aside from the the one play that led to the Jordan Leggett yep. uh, touchdown that really had me wondering if we are going to see it actually a drop-off from the loss of Chad Morris. Well, overall, I believe they've pared back the playbook quite a bit, both from a, just understanding their personnel and the complexity of it. Right, and when you, you have young guys, too. Yeah, exactly. For sure. I think over the course of the season, they may have to open that up a bit. They would, I guarantee, you, know, you can almost guarantee that they would like to anyway, as folks get more experience together. Um, I just think overall, yeah, we haven't seen much creativity. That being said, a win is a win. And we our offense did enough to win that game. All right. Enough about the offense. We're a defensive team. Clemson is now a defensive team again. Let's talk about that. The D-line, they look absolutely dominant this year. We're 11th in scoring defense. Third down conversions were 8th in the country and 8th in tackles for loss. With the guys we sent to the NFL last year, did you think we would be here again this year? This is incredible. Hats off to Brent Venables. Hats off to the coaching staff for recruiting. Um, I think we have incredible position coaches, especially on that along that D line, that have really you know yes we've we've retained that talent and that's what playoff caliber programs do. It's all about next man up. It's all about building that depth, and I think that's what you see in the elite programs in this country and. Let's say it. I mean, we have a defense that succeeded our expectations. Hopefully we can keep this up as we start to play more challenging offenses. But the signs are good there. And where we've got thinness, I think at least the starting guys are playing at like a crazy elite level. Yeah, Christian Wilkins has really stepped up as a true freshman. Albert Huggins has looked good. So that's been extremely helpful. Shaq Lawson is a beast. Kevin Dodd's really come on at that defensive end position. So... Scott Pagano up front too. Yeah, he's fallen off a little bit. I think. I think when we saw him dominate Wofford in the first game, we got really excited. People were throwing out there comparisons to Grady Jarrett. Hold the hold your horses. He's, He's no Grady Jarrett, but he does add depth. And I think Christian Wilkins will eventually overtake him. But we're we're solid. The guys we have on their defensive line, they look again absolutely dominant. This is a really bright spot for us on this team. This is where we control the game. And you add that in with our linebacker play, as shallow as it is with the guys we have there, and our dominant secondary, we're looking really good again this year on defense. That's going to help, especially as we face a variety of offenses. I think you're going to be able to see these three position groups you know, in various matchups. You're going to see some shine in others. Um, some games we're going to really need Mackenzie Alexander to make some plays. Others, it's going to be the discipline of, uh, and the intensity of our linebacker core. So I think we feel really good about our defense overall. Um, again, hats off to Brent Venables. A lot's gone right, and you got to credit him and his vision for recruiting, but also his ability to prepare guys. But real quick, Ben, let's talk about what maybe's gone wrong on this defense, if anything. Um, one big thing, one glaring hole for us. You know, yes, we've gotten really good defensive tackle play up front from the likes of freshman Christian Wilkins. Um, we've also had, I believe, Rod Byers play pretty well up there. Um, Carlos Watkins has a, a pick for a touchdown. We mentioned Pagano looking capable too. But DJ Reader, you know, he was going to be one of those guys with a lot of playing experience coming in to play in that tackle position. He's left the team for personal reasons, you know, an undisclosed situation, 
but also an indefinite departure. You know, he's welcome back. I think he's going to have to kind of re-earn his playing time in his spot. We really do hope he comes back this season, though. Yeah, this is a really weird situation. You know, we have no insiders. We're not going to speculate on what's going on. So we just hope he comes back because I think he's a big part of this defense, again, contributing to the depth and also with his experience. As the season goes on and you get into the grind of it and you're starting to play some better teams, uh, especially like a team like Georgia Tech or any team with a up-tempo offense so they can really wear you down and start to really test your conditioning, it's good to have guys that you can sub in and out without really dropping off. So. Getting Reader back, I think it's going to be huge. I hope he's, I hope he does come back. I hope he's staying in shape, in football shape, and he's able to come back and contribute. Uh, not for our team, but I also hope things are going well with yeah. him. I don't know what the issue is, but I hope all is, all is okay. Definitely. Allow him to get his mind right, get his mind back on you know, his goals, etc. Um, we, hope, we hope Clemson football is in those plans. In terms of what needs improvement, again, like really good accolades from a from a ranking and a scoring standpoint for this defense. I think there's potentially two to three areas that we like to see some improvement down the stretch. Um, I don't know exactly where we're going to find depth, but I think depth can be an issue or an area we could get exposed. I think that's where young guys, the more experience they get, we'll start to see them get better as the season goes along, and we'll start to feel more confident confident about our depth. Yeah, and I think that's where hopefully at some point we can start to play games where we've got you know a comfortable enough lead where we can get more experience for our younger guys. I'm looking at that linebacker position in particular. Yeah, uh, the nickel Sam position. Uh, you know, between Ryan Blanks, I think Ryan Carter. Uh, I, I think Blanks has almost reached his ceiling. He he is going to be serviceable. I'm not sure he's gonna get much better than that. Maybe a guy like Ryan Carter can really step up uh, and improve. Again, a young guy who's just starting to get some more playing time as the season goes along. Do we see these guys progress? I think the history of our defensive coaching staff, you do see that. Um, And then, you know, one thing I think we would have said would have needed improvement before the Louisville game is our one of our four secondary guys who we thought was a wink link in Cordrea Tankersley. Then the Louisville game happened, and wow. Yeah. What a game he had. Pass breakup, pass defense, basically, uh, interception, and just, you know, he was picked on almost the whole game, stepped up to the task. He may have gotten um, burned or, you know, didn't hold his his end a couple of different plays. Well, that's going to happen as many times as they win his way, right? Right. But he looked, I mean, overall, I mean, you you and I were sitting there at the bar watching the game, and... We were just getting so excited every time a ball went his way and he was able to defend it or intercept it or make a tackle. Great to see, and I'm, I know uh, coaches were definitely pumped to see that too. So very good there on a bright note. And um, I think in terms of just one last area on the defense that we'd like to see improve, just an organic pass rush from our front four. It's going. Our linebackers are going to need to stay into coverage and be there to make make plays on the ball and, and you know really shore up the tackles. So I feel like, um, you know, Yes, we think we've gotten good things out of Shaq Lawson and his peers on that D-line, but definitely getting a bigger pass rush is going to be crucial. It's going to be really interesting to see the type of defensive play calling we get, especially against a stout O-line in Notre Dame this coming game. That could be the matchup, really the position group matchup, that dictates the outcome of that game. Yeah, I mean, I would like a better pass rush with our front four, but as well as our secondary has been playing, and if our linebackers still keep, especially Bullware and B.J. Goodson, still keep playing as good as they are, I think we'll be okay as long as we can stuff the run. Um, now let's talk about one of our favorite topics, special teams. Special year so far on that side of the ball. Um, if anything, let's talk about what's gone right uh, to start. Limited, limited here, but uh, on the kick return game, we rank ninth in the country on yards per return at 30.6. It's been a quiet 30.6, though. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, it's a, yeah, it's gone right because of where we rank, but I don't know. Maybe we're limited in returns. Well, we haven't given up a it's lot on of a, points. Right. It's on a small sample size. We've got yeah. either the kickoff of the first or second half, and then really these teams have put up 10, 10, and 17 on us, so not tons of opportunities there small sample size, but you know, we've got athletes back there. We talked about it to start the year. Um, I believe Ray Ray McLeod and um, Artavis Scott are returning our kicks. So good to see that we've got the talent there to bust one at some point here. Um, we should see that 
but you know something to build on well and if teams are kicking it five deep in the end zone or to the goal line and we're returning at 30 yards that still puts us at the 25 and 30 big deal is that really a bright spot i mean i i miss the days of spiller and ellington taking it to the house almost on a daily basis uh or game by game basis uh with the talent and the electric players that we have, I really would expect to see that more often. And maybe we're focusing too much on them as, as we are the guys who are protecting on kickoffs. Yeah, both from a blocking for our players as well as coverage and tackling, that moves us into the what's gone wrong or what's a liability for this team. And, you know, it, it's, it's been in Dabo Sweeney's comments. It is a major area of concern. We're basically a 120th in the country. How, how many, many how many teams are there? 128, I think. Uh, something like that uh, in Division One. We FBS? suck at kickoff return yards allowed. 28 per year, per return. <laughs> um, interestingly, that's less than the number we're putting up. But uh, we also are not very good at uh, touchbacks. We're number nine. We're 98th in the country. We only have four touchbacks out of 21 attempts. It's good we're getting 21 attempts based on scoring, but definitely a liability there as well as punt returns. We're also 120th. In terms of yards, um, yards overall. Again, first off, uh, the 120th and kick return yards get kick it out of bounds. Whatever. I mean, if you're going to be giving up big plays and just kick it out of bounds, rely on your defense. Um, punt returns. I thought we'd get out of this hole we've been in for a while. Again, we have all these playmakers, and we still can't return a punt. Nine returns for 12 yards on the year. I mean, that's terrible with the guys we have. I mean, again, maybe that's on the the protection, the pump protection team that aren't getting any blocks, but it seems like it's either we're not catching the ball, we're letting it going over our heads, or it's falling on the ground, we're diving for it when we shouldn't be. So this is a huge cause of concern, and we need to get this right because yeah. well, if it keeps up, it will cost us a game or two. Bright spot here. Our coaches have a 16-day period in this bye week before Notre Dame to really coach this up and focus. Um, hopefully that, that will be big concern there or sorry, a big focus of the coaching. Um, and just overall, we talked about it. Greg Hugel has been fine. I don't think he's been put to the test for any sort of high leverage situations, you know, game winning or possibly game losing field goals. And um, we'll see how that continues to play out. You know, he's got someone breathing down his back and Ammon Lake up. So hopefully that pressure can help him rise to the occasion. Or we'll go back to the experienced, tenured senior. Um, I think things are better off in the kicking game now than they have in the first three weeks. So let's take that as a bright spot and move on. I've been pleasantly surprised by Hugel. Um, you know, it, the way you miss a field goal can be really telling. We saw Lakeup miss some really bad ones last year at the beginning of the season, and the kicks just didn't look good. Hugel, at least on the ones he's missed, and even on those two of the first you know, three attempts he had on the ones that got called back for penalties. They're solid kicks. They look good. So even if Lakeup comes back and takes over this job, I'm really confident in him moving forward, at least from what I've seen so far, of eventually taking over this uh, the, the place-kicking position for maybe two years. Fair enough. Let's hope so. All right. So to wrap up, we're three games in. We're 3-0. and um, In terms of the goals we have, the goal for us is always win the ACC. Win the Atlantic, beat Florida State, beat our, our lesser talented and lesser ranked opponents, and have a shot at the playoff. I feel like at this point, all of those goals are still achievable. It's going to take an effort. It's going to take potentially an undefeated season to do both of those things. Um, what do you think, Ben? Are our shot at either of those goals any better or worse off than we were when we were 0-0? Zero and zero? Oh, I think they're both clearly achievable based on where we stand right now. Now... If we keep playing the way we are, no. I don't think we get either of them. I think there has to be some drastic improvements in a few areas of the game and some gradual improvements in national progressions and others. And we really can't see a step back and really in any of the way any of our position groups are playing. And injuries, we have to limit the injuries because especially on the offensive line and in the linebacker group, we can't afford to lose anybody because we don't have the depth there. Now... If everything goes right and we continue to improve, we start to see Deshaun Watson play like the Heisman uh, Trophy winning, potential winning quarterback that we think he can be, then yeah, I think the sky's the limit, especially with the parity we see in college football that we've been talking about. The defense keeps playing as good as they are. 
no problem. Offensive line needs to, to improve and avoid injuries. Watson needs to play better. And somebody needs to step up in place of Mike Williams until hopefully we're able to get him back. And, of course, special teams need to improve. Yeah, and if our defense is holding teams to 10, 17, 23 points, we get that offense fired up. We're scoring in the 30s, even 40s. You know, we're in business there. Um, so I guess overall I agree with you. You know, it is possible we've got to make some improvements. And the next couple of games, I think we're going to learn a lot more about the type of team we have and the type of chance we'll have. So um, stay tuned. A week from now, we'll be recapping Notre Dame. Um, and for, for now, it looks like, you know, that game could potentially be a, a ESPN College Game Day site. They moved that up to an 8 p.m. kickoff. It's going to be very exciting in the Valley. Um, looking forward to it. Yeah, I think Alabama-Georgia playing that week, and that's the other option. Uh, ESPN has already had Alabama as part of their uh, game day twice so far this year. I believe it's been maybe the past two weeks. So Week one and week three. Week one yeah. and three. Week, week yeah. three. Okay, so either way, twice so far. There's some Alabama fatigue, I think, around the country. Yeah. Especially they, after a loss. You know, and they've seemed to have fun coming to Clemson. And that Notre Dame crowd, and that fan base. They travel. That's a lot, a lot of publicity. Of mm-hmm. High TV ratings. I think it's very possible. <laughs> as long as Notre Dame can somehow find a way to get past UMass next week. You know, that one's on the schedule. I don't know what we'll learn about that game or that matchup. Who knows? Crazier stuff's happened this very football season. So uh, hopefully UMass can make a game of it, keep their starters in longer than Brian Kelly would hope. Uh, but I, I don't expect to learn much from that one. In terms of other games around the country, we can very briefly touch on this before we wrap here. Uh, in terms of an upset watch, we'll see across the board. Number three TCU travels to a high-powered Texas Tech there will be zero defense played on that side of the ball there. Um, probably bet the over in this one. Number nine, UCLA travels to number 16, Arizona. Again, that's the Pac-12 beating up on one another. Maybe Arizona pulls that out, and that that entire conference just ends up in a, you know, basically a, a, an alley fight. So I think these are two upset watches for me. Uh, Texas Tech has played well. They're 3-0 this year. TCO, or TCU hasn't looked fantastic so there's at texas tech definitely a possibility for texas tech to win and again that's a team ahead of us that would jump will fall behind us ucla at arizona i could totally see arizona beating ucla and again that's another team that gives us a position to move up as we go throughout this season it's one thing to remain undefeated but we have to make sure these teams ahead of us are also losing as well for us to get in position to make the fo- the college football playoff Absolutely. We talked about Pac-12 a bit. We talked about, in the past, uh, the Big 12 not having a conference championship. They could beat up on one another, and if they've got one loss, definitely could see them getting left out as well until they correct that as a conference. Um, around the ACC and around the rest of our, our opponent's schedules, uh, number 20, Georgia Tech, coming off a loss, travels to Duke, also coming off a loss. This is the grand pillow fight in the Coastal, conference, or the coastal Division this year. I think the winner of that one will win that conference or that division. You know, Virginia Tech without their starting quarterback, uh, who's injured for most of the year. You know, I don't I don't know if they've got the horses to win that side. So let's keep a close eye on this. If we win the Atlantic, we may face this opponent. If it's Tech, that would be our second time. If it's Duke, we haven't played them for a couple of years. David Cutcliffe's already always ready to go. So uh, you know, might take a look at that game. Um, our our friends down in Columbia, they host UCF, coming off a beatdown at the hands of Georgia. Not really anything to say about this game. UCF's 0-3. I'm still not sure South Carolina can win this game. They've looked absolutely horrible all year long. Be a sad state of affairs. Um, and lastly, our, our dear, dear ACC compatriots up in Syracuse, play host to number 8, LSU. Um, I expect Leonard Fournette to just dominate this game 400 yards is that in play so here's a few things uh possibly um i like to see sec teams lose just because of the hype i like to see acc teams win to strengthen our conference and make our our wins interconference look better uh but at the same time i well in the in the third thing lsu is ranked number eight they're ahead of us again we talk about teams ahead of us needing to lose all those things combined, I hope LSU kills Syracuse. 
I can't stand Syracuse. I know they don't belong in the ACC. I don't know why we let them in for basketball. How are they doing now? Not much for us. Do the whole scandal with Jim Beheim. So, really hoping LSU sticks it to them. Can't argue with you there. Uh, all right. Just to wrap us up, uh, big shout out really quickly to Clemson Soccer. Those guys are dominating over there. Uh, if you're fortunate enough to live within driving distance, definitely do do us a solid and make it out to Riggs Field and watch those guys. Well, it's both the men and the women. The women's soccer's they're ranked number one in RPI in the country. They're seven zero and one, and the men's soccer's at six one and one this year. I mean, both both the men and the women are really playing great. And you know, this is a sport that you know every four years we get really excited about. <laughs> so. Definitely a sport on the rise. Uh, the MLS is more popular nationally, so good to see Clemson competing there. And I uh, hope to see some of those players even get their names called in those World Cups. It, it's an Olympic sport, and in a sport like this, when Clemson is doing really well, the fan base will get behind them. So it's it's you know it's really good to see them having such such success from both a men and women's perspective. Absolutely. Well, congrats to both of them. May you keep up your winning ways. Same goes for the football team. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Uh, Stay tuned next week. Notre Dame preview coming. In the meantime, go Tigers.